Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You know what it is. Episode 129, for the love of the game, let's get this work. Just blaze. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Uh. Killer. All the girls see them. Look at his kicks. Look at his car. All I say is. Look, mommy, I'm no good. I'm so hood. Clap at your soldier. Sober. Then leave after it's over. Killer. I'm not your companion. Or your man stand. Don't hit me when you want to get rammed in. I be scrambling. With lots of mobsters. Shot for lobsters. Cops and robbers. Listen, every block is blocked. Block but she like the way I diddy bop. You peep that. Make on Mori kicks. Plus Chanel ski hat. She wants the. So I give her the. Now she's screaming out. Welcome back. It's episode 129 for the love of the game. Packed sports week. There's a lot going on. We had the first week of the NBA, which was awesome. We'll get into that in just a second. And right now, we're basically at the halfway point of the NFL season. I can't believe it. It's crazy the fact that we're already basically at the halfway mark. I know there's really no halfway mark this year, considering it's a 17-game schedule. But we're pretty much there. Week 8. We are going to be talking with a first-time guest, another The Believe Podcast Network. Excited to do that in just a little bit. But first, a couple of NBA thoughts from the first week of the season. Number one, John Morant. John Morant right now is out of control. Out of control. Leading the league in scoring, like top five in assists. He's just been electrifying, absolutely electrifying. Going to the basket, I mean, so much fun to watch. Between him and LaMelo Ball, it's really 1A and 1B on who's the most fun young point guard to watch in the league right now. Unbelievable, John Morant. An unbelievable LaMelo Ball. It, It just goes to show you that right now, in the current state of the league, there is so much incredible young talent and it's sprinkled across every single team and not in the major markets so you have a so all the small market teams have a reason for you know casual fans to tune in because you want to see John Morant and the jaw-dropping plays that he does and I mean he's already proven it in the playoffs last year that he's a big time player but now he's started the year like gangbusters and LaMelo Ball like what else can you say I'm taking a huge L on LaMelo Ball. I was a skeptic before the draft. I was a skeptic going into last year. But then, I mean, once he was inserted into the starting lineup, it was off to the races with that guy. He's just incredible. He really has a Magic Johnson-like flair when it comes to passing the basketball and getting his teammates involved. I know that sacrilege. Magic Johnson's one of the six greatest players in NBA history. But LaMelo Ball has a lot of that flair to him. He's been incredible to watch. Miles Bridges, the connection that LaMelo and Miles Bridges has. I mean, just the jaw-dropping dunks that they put on display. And Miles Bridges is getting numbers. He looks like he's a real good player. Of course, the Knicks passed him up for Kevin Knox. Really don't enjoy that. But yeah, LaMelo, John Morant are are just incredible. Two of the best young guards in the league. And those teams are fun to watch. I mean, Charlotte's three and one. Memphis has started out strong. Just good stuff. Good stuff on that front. From one ball brother to the next ball brother, Lonzo. Lonzo and the Chicago Bulls starting out four and oh. It's looked really, really good on offense. I mean, they've played good defense, but I've had a couple of recurring listeners, you know, supporters of the show text me, ATH, you were low on the Chicago Bulls. Look at who they've played. Look at who they've played so far. I uh, haven't really played any good teams yet, so we'll see. Because my New York Knicks are facing off against the Chicago Bulls this coming Thursday night, which is tomorrow night when you're listening to this. I should say at the time of recording, which would be a big test for the Chicago Bulls. I'll get into the Knicks in a second. But the Bulls look good. The Bulls look much improved. They should be a fun watch this year. It'll be interesting to see if Zach Levine keeps this up if the ball keeps moving around because they've got a a couple of guys who like to hold it, who've been responsible for taking the last shot on their team, whether it's Levine, DeRozan, but Lonzo ball has been a good fit there. Alex Caruso has been a good fit there. It's very encouraging if you're a Bulls fan to see what's going on right now. A couple other things. 
So the NBA decided to crack down on foul hunting, whether it's Trey Young and whether it's James Harden, basically guys kicking their legs out, throwing their head up in the air, their neck back, trying to hunt for calls. Um, the guy on pump fakes and jumping into guys shooting threes. The NBA is really cut back. And James Harden right now, who was one of the major reasons for this rule change, well, he's only getting to the line about three times a game. And now he's bitching and complaining that it swung the other way and that the refs are targeting him. Well, guess what, James? The refs are targeting you. Why? Because you've been pulling this bullshit for years. And then all of a sudden the league is cracked down. They said they've had enough. So you are being targeted and rightfully so. And honestly, Trey Young should be targeted more than he is. But James Harden, stop complaining, all right? Stop complaining and prove to me that you can get buckets without trying to trick the referees and hunt for fouls. It's enough for it. I so had it with James Harden. And he started off a little slow. The Nets have gotten out to a you know slow start out of the gate. James Harden's really not getting his normal numbers. Maybe it's the uh because he's not getting the foul calls. He's also looks like he's not in shape. Shocker. I, I've been so right about James Harden. I've been right about Kyrie Irving. I've been right about James Harden. I've been right about a lot, a lot of things, but those two things in particular, James Harden is a guy as supremely talented as he is, who doesn't care about conditioning and doesn't do the little things needed to win at the highest level. And guess what? It's going to come back to bite him in the ass again this year, like it did last year, like it did the year before that. And the Brooklyn Nets are not going to win a title until James Harden takes the little things seriously, like getting your body right. All the other things, they're not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere, and he's not going to win. And it's just, I find it laughable that we have uh, NBA media members like, oh, what's wrong with James Harden? Like, he hunts for fouls. That's a big part of his game. If the NBA is going to target that, and him specifically, then it's not going to look as pretty. He's going to have to adjust, and maybe he should be in shape at the start of the season. Just a thought. So that's the Nets. I absolutely love listening to him bitch and complain. I love listening to Steve Nash bitch and complain. Like, enough with the Brooklyn Nets, all right? I I loathe that franchise more than anything in the sport. And now uh, from the franchise I loathe to the franchise I love, the New York Knicks. An interesting opening week. So we had the crazy game, crazy opening night game against the Boston Celtics, double overtime. That game was bonkers. I said to myself, I I can't physically stand 81 more games like that. If they're going to be that crazy, and I know not every game is going to be that nuts, but if I'm getting a lot of those, I'm not sure if I physically can make it through a season in playoffs. And then we had the home and home against the Orlando Magic. Blowout in Orlando. And then, of course, the game that I go to, Sunday night, lackluster effort. I hated that spot for the Knicks. I mean, as bad as the Orlando Magic are, they're professionals too. If you lose by 30, you have some pride. And the team that just blew them out by 30 is going to take, you know, it easy a little bit. Thing that they can sleepwalk to a win, which is what the Knicks did. But I'm not going to get too up in arms. And then last night, you can tell that they took it personally. And laid the smackdown on the Philadelphia 76ers. That, that's what teams that are well coached, that have character do. All right. They take it personally. And I loved it. I loved every second of it. And even though Julius Randle is not playing well, there's a lot of 2019-2020 in Julius Randle right now, which is not good if you're a Nick fan. That gives me PTSD when I absolutely couldn't stand watching him. He's becoming a little bit more of a black hole. I don't like the way he's playing, but right now the Knicks are really, really deep and they can withstand that. Evan Fournier has been really good for them. Derek Rose has basically been their best player, which I'm not really sure is what you want, but for right now, we're riding that and he's shooting over 60% from three. Nuts. Kemba Walker had a great game last night. Lots to be uh, thankful for if you're a Knicks fan. Lots to like if you're a Knicks fan. And for the Philadelphia 76ers, and I love Joel Embiid, but I've never seen him look as disengaged and as, quite frankly, exhausted for like early in the season uh, than that. It it was a little disappointing to see. I'm pro Joel Embiid. I think Joel Embiid's awesome. 
But it, that was a lackluster effort, to put it mildly. And I know Mitchell Robinson gets credit with the defense playing on Joel Embiid, and he did a good job. Taj Gibson battles like Taj Gibson always battles. But Embiid let them off the hook a lot. So, yeah, that's a couple of opening week NBA thoughts. Uh, another thing that happened in the NBA was basically they listed for the 70, 75th anniversary the top 75 list. For the most part, I liked it a lot. Just a couple of thoughts. One. To me, the biggest snubs were Clay Thompson, Nikola Jokic, and Dennis Johnson. And guys who shouldn't have been on there were, you know, Robert Parrish should not be on this list. I know Dennis Rodman led the league in rebounding seven times and was a great on-ball defender for a lot of it. But, I mean, I don't think he's one of the 75 best players. He had the great fortune of playing with really good teams. Like, I'm sorry. Robert Parrish, same thing. I mean, his teammate Dennis Johnson made a couple of all-NBA teams and was a finals MVP, and he didn't make it. It just makes no sense. Nikola Jokic should have been on there. If you're going to put Shaquille O'Neal on there in 1997, the 50 best, then Nikola Jokic has to be on there considering he's already won an MVP and is already one of the best players in the league. Klay Thompson should be on there. Klay Thompson should have been on there over... Dave Bing, like, what are we doing here? Like, Clay Thompson's had big playoff moments. And did he get knocked for maybe he plays next to the best guard, you know, the second best point guard ever in Stephen Curry? Maybe. But don't, let's not forget how awesome Clay Thompson has been in his career and the big shots that he's made. And if Clay Thompson didn't play another game, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. So those are just a couple of thoughts. Oh, and another thing. For all those who are whining about Dwight Howard being omitted, all right? I get it. I saw the resume the first eight years. It's awesome. But then after that, he hasn't been a relevant player from about 2015 to 2020. And in fact, he was like a team cancer that guys, you know, that teams couldn't wait to get rid of. So while Anthony Davis, I'm not really sure, should be ahead of Dwight Howard. You all know my feelings on Anthony Davis. I'm more comfortable putting Anthony Davis on that team ahead of Dwight Howard just because of how toxic Dwight Howard was for so many years. But for the most part, I think it was a good list. I know a lot of people are bellyaching about Bill Walton. When Bill Walton was healthy, he was the second best all-around center in NBA history. I know it was brief, but those are the facts, all right? Go look up the late 70s Blazers and what Bill Walton was doing, right? You could have made the argument that it is, at his peak, again, it was a very small peak, but at his peak, he was just as good and just as impactful as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all right? So I don't want to hear about this nonsense that Bill Walton didn't deserve to be on the team. But other than that, I think they did a really good job. Carmelo Anthony, another guy who got a lot of uh, belly aching about him being included, he's top 10 all-time in scoring, okay? Just enough. Enough with it. You're the same people who tell me that Jason Tatum is going to be an all-NBA guy. Well, Carmelo's a top five MVP candidate a couple of times. I think I, I once, once for certain. And he's made a ton of all-NBAs, and he's top 10 all-time in scoring. So come on now. So that was that list. All right, so just quick, two quick NFL thoughts before we bring on tonight's guest, uh, who I'm really excited to talk to. First thing. This past Monday night, the Manning cast, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning, had Tom Brady, and it was some of the best television of all time. I didn't watch it live. I just caught clips, but my goodness, it was great, and it was so much better to watch than the regular broadcast considering the game that was on television between the Saints and the Seahawks, which was a rock fight no one really wanted to watch. But the banter back and forth between Brady and the Manning brothers was awesome. Throw in a little Marshawn Lynch appearance, who's always awesome. And, and that's the pinnacle. That's the pinnacle of the Manning cast. The Manning cast is great, but I, I don't see how the Manning cast could get better than this past Monday night. And lastly, before we get into tonight's guest, your boy finally did it. We finally had a very profitable week in picks against the spread. I went four and one. I won the three-team teaser. It was a good week, a really, really good week that should have been capped off with a nice Knicks win against the Orlando Magic, but that didn't happen. But anyway, so 
We're trying to ride that momentum. We're trying to ride that momentum. So here we got uh, picks for uh, this coming week. First game, the Detroit Lions getting three and a half against the Eagles at home. I like the Lions in this spot. Why should the Eagles be over a field goal uh, favorite on the road, given how terrible they are? Like the Lions here, plus three and a half. The Lions play hard. Two, I've got the Tennessee Titans minus one on the road against the Colts. I just don't believe in the Colts. I'm riding Derrick Henry here. Um, that That's the sole logic here. Three, I got Tampa Bay minus five and a half against the New Orleans Saints. Nothing about the Saints offense leads me to suggest that they can hang in this game. I know the Saints have a pretty good defense. I don't care. Tom Brady's better than ever. I'm riding Brady. Four, I've got the Chargers minus five and a half at home against the Patriots. I, I just don't see the Patriots being able to hold Justin Herbert and score enough points. And lastly, and I can't believe I'm doing it, I've got the Minnesota Vikings, a home dog, plus two and a half against the Dallas Cowboys. I don't like backing Kirk Cousins. I'm a major Kirk Cousins skeptic, but the reality is, is he's been really good this year. He's been good this year. And I know that they're th only three and three, but the Vikings have been better than their record across all the metrics. So I'm backing the Vikings here. And plus, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. So just to review, Lions plus three and a half, Tennessee minus one, Tampa minus five and a half, Chargers minus five and a half, Vikings plus two and a half. With that said, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk a little NFL thoughts midway through the season in just a matter of moments. Well, one of the perks of being with the Believe Podcast Network is I now have a little bit more access to some other people that I'm looking to talk to, grow the brand a little bit. Um, I'm very delighted to bring on a first-time guest, Mr. Jared Bailey, writes for Fansided. He has his own podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Jared, what's good, man? Nice to talk to you. Yeah, you as well, man. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, we're getting, you know, halfway through the football season almost. So it, uh, it flies by every year. But uh, yeah, I'm doing good. I honestly cannot believe we're already pretty much at the halfway mark of the NFL season. It, it's really gone by fast. I've been absolutely getting murdered in my picks against the spread in the pick five, uh, even though last week I, I happened to have gone four and one, my first winning week of the year. So hopefully the second half is going to be a little bit better than the first half, but uh, really excited to talk to you about a little NFL. So you're a Pittsburgh guy. Right. And I, I think right now one of the big stories in the league is, is out of the division that your Pittsburgh Steelers playing, but it's not the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they just uh, are coming off a monster win against the uh, Baltimore Ravens, 41-17. They had, like I think, like 17 unanswered points. They're now first place, not only in the division, but the in the AFC. So I ask you this as somebody who follows that division really closely. What do you make of this start from the Bengals? Are, are we really buying this? I mean, what kind of statement was this? Tell me your thoughts on the Bengals a little bit. What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, I thought that the Bengals would be better. You know, I thought they'd be playing well. I didn't think that they would be in first place at this point. Um, but Joe Burrow's playing well. Uh, Jamar Chase looks like the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, but their defense has been playing really well, too. They're fifth in the NFL in points allowed per game, which is great. Trey Hendrickson was a big pickup. Uh, they got Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh. Jesse Bates is really good. Logan Wilson, linebackers having gear. Like, all around, like, their defense is playing really well. Their offense looks good. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're a legit playoff team right now. I don't think they're going to be a Super Bowl team, but they, they're a team capable of winning a playoff game should they get there. Joe Burrow at 35-1 to 1 odds for NFL MVP. What do you think? I don't think he's going to win MVP, but, you know, if that's if you like dark horse bets, uh, you know, that, that might somehow pay off. If, if that's your thing, then go for it. Now, I don't think he's going to be the MVP, but – um, he definitely has the look of somebody who eventually can. Uh, I don't think it'll be this year, but he, he's a star in the making. So obviously a lot has been made of, <laughs> at least in the preseason, a lot was made of Jamar Chase was having a case of the drops, right? He said that he couldn't catch the football. They didn't have the, the white line on it. And then all of a sudden he looks like he is a, you know, an absolute superstar, an absolute superstar. 
And but no, you're right. It's it's the defense that has really, I think, caught a lot of people off guard. So do you think it right now where they are? Do you think they're just catching teams off guard or are they really this good? Like win the division, be a top four seed in the AFC good? No, I think they're that good. You know, I thought that they would be you know, going through their schedule before the year. I thought that they could be in around that four and three spot. Uh, now, the second half of their schedule, I mean, it is a little bit tougher. But, um, I mean, they're a team that you know, their offense is really good. Defensively, they're really good. I think originally, you know, people weren't taking them seriously, you know, nationally, at least coming into the league. But the way they played right now, now they're, they're, a, they're a legit team. And, uh, you know, they're not going to be – these aren't, you know, yesterday Cincinnati Bengals. This is a, a brand-new look for them. Um, you know, Burrow's playing well. He's, he's a, a bona fide star. And defensively, they're a lot better. So, no, they're, they're a real team. I don't, I don't think that this is a fluke by any means. All the love is going to go to the quarterback, as we just mentioned, Joe Burrow. Um, and we like to do this all the time um, in terms of where he stands right now in the league. I was a huge, huge fan of his, his rookie year. I thought he was going to be really, really good. Obviously, you know, his contemporary right now is Justin Herbert, right? Same draft class. One went number one overall, one one went six overall. If you're starting a franchise right now, who would, who would you take um, in your estimation? Would you take Burrow or Herbert? Um, I don't necessarily think there's a wrong answer to this. I would probably lean Herbert. I think that he just has, he just has something, man. He's just so damn good. And Burrow's, Burrow's good too. Um, but Justin Herbert, we're talking about him already. Like, is he going to be in that elite tier next year? So um there, I don't think there's a wrong answer to that. I think both of them are fantastic, and both of them are going to be the future of this league. But if I had to pick one, I would probably lean Herbert. I, but I would say it's neck and neck. I would really say it's neck and neck. And, and the thing that I find funny, and, and we see this, you know, for anybody who consumes sports uh, coverage like we do and follows the league like we do, is there's a lot of, like, group think out there. And I don't think people – think of Joe Burrow as, as in that same level as Justin Herbert. Like people were talking about like the first four or five weeks of the season of Justin Herbert, like surpassing Patrick Mahomes, which was like a little ridiculous. Right. But to me, like Herbert and, and Joe Burrow are, are on equal playing fields. Well, I think that Herbert gets that leg up just because of the year that he had last year. You know, he broke a ton of, uh, you know, records as a rookie in terms of, you know, he arguably had the best rookie season that a quarterback's ever had. And obviously Joe missed some time because of the knee injury. So, yeah. you know, Herbert being able to shine like that with all the turmoil that was going on around him, I think that, that is, that's what contributes to it. But, no, I mean, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow is fantastic. Herbert's very good. Um, like I said, I don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer there. I do think Herbert is better. Uh, but Joe Burrow, I mean, by no means is he uh, – he, he's not far behind. But I, I do think that Herbert is – is the better one of the two. Well, let me ask you this one. Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson to start a franchise with right now? <sighs> that one's tougher because I, I still think that Burrow is the better passer, but my God, Lamar Jackson's passing has improved this year. And there's there hasn't been a louder critic of Lamar Jackson than me. Um, Wait, but- you and I are on the same boat as this. <laughs> We're, yeah, we're, sure. we're in lockstep in this one because I'm just, I just don't buy it. No, I mean, he's phenomenal um, in terms of he's a pain. He's a pain to play against. Obviously. I mean, he can run like a gazelle, but his passing, I mean, he deserves a ton of credit because his passing does look so much better this year. Um, and it, it, you look no further than the game against Indianapolis to see that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, by no means is he a perfect passer, um, but it is very visible to see that he's gotten better at that. Hey, look, Marquise Brown's playing better. Mark Andrews is still really good. And the fact that he's doing it, I mean, with, you know, the Ravens injury list is as long as a CVS receipt right now. I mean, like yeah. everybody got hurt in Baltimore. Um, so the fact that he, you know, is still playing at the level that he is with everybody seemingly dropping around him and them just bringing guys in to fill these holes, uh, it, it, it says a lot about him. So um, I, I, he's, he's taking big strides in terms of his ability to throw the ball. Oh, I mean, he deserves credit for that. I'd probably take Lamar right now, um, but that's not to say that Joe Burrow can't ever get to that level. Lamar is in that um, is in that class where it's like, all right, you, you got to show me something in the playoffs before I take you seriously. 
to to equate it to like the NBA, he's like the Utah Jazz of the NFL, right? The Jazz are always high 50 wins, top three seed in the West, and then they're never going anywhere in the playoffs. Like they're not going to win a title. I don't think any team that has Rudy Gobert on a max contract is ever going to win a title. And Lamar Jackson is kind of in that same ilk in a sense where I'm not sure he can win, you know, a Super Bowl playing the way he does. And it, it's and until he does it, he, it's just going to be in that same vein, in that same class. And I know the way Joe Burrow plays translates to winning Super Bowls because we've seen yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen a quarterback play the way that Lamar does really ever win a championship. You know, Randall Cunningham was kind of the one who, you know, mo- first did it in the modern era. Fran Tarkenton was a guy who really was kind of that first mobile quarterback for the Vikings in the 70s. He made it to a few Super Bowls, but he never won one. Um, but Randall never won one. Steve Young, like people want to throw that Steve Young, or Steve Young was a pass first guy. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was most- super accurate. Like he, that, yeah, was, that was yeah. different. <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, more better comparisons uh, to Lamar would be guys like RG three, um, Michael, Michael Vick. You know, both guys who lit the league on fire, but had obvious flaws to their game. Um, but you know, it, Lamar. I mean, like I said, his, his passing has definitely improved this year. If it keeps getting better, then yeah, I think that he can be a guy who does that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've had my critiques of Lamar. I've had my doubts about him, and uh, you know, I still have my my doubts about Baltimore, but. Uh, you know, he's definitely improved in that respect this year. Speaking of Michael Vick, I'm curious to see what Vick in his prime would have looked like in this uh, current NFL. Cause I, I do think he's probably the best athlete to ever play that position. I mean, he was, he was scary, scary good. Uh, so just moving on to your, um, your Pittsburgh Steelers, right? You know, father time comes for us all. If we're talking quarterbacks. It comes for everybody. Big Ben, it's time. He's in that same draft class uh, as Phil Rivers. Father time came for him. He's no longer. My guy, Eli Manning, is no longer. So where do the Steelers go from here uh, with this position? Because we're at the end of the line. Um, I mean, I mean, throughout the rest of the year, I mean, right now, I think that they're playing with the blueprint that they came into the year wanting to play with, and that's having Najee Harris really kind of dominant. I mean, he dominated the Broncos. He played well against Seattle, like taking the pressure off of Ben is what they wanted to do. Um, in terms of what they do post Ben Roethlisberger, you know, right now, I think, you know, the dream scenario is that they fall up into Aaron Rodgers. That's the dream scenario is just getting Aaron Rodgers. But if not, the only other situation I see would be them bringing in a veteran, whether it be like Gardner Minshew, Tyrod Taylor, maybe getting Drew Locke. And then drafting a guy. So whether that's Malik Wills, Matt Corral, it would be somewhere in that region. So it's either Aaron Rodgers or bring in a bridge and draft a guy. Those are the only two. I mean, whoever's there right now, like Dwayne Haskins isn't going to be there next year. He's not a one-year deal. They're not bringing him back. Mason Rudolph isn't the future of this team. They're going to bring in somebody else. So um, those are the only two real scenarios that I see right now. Shout out to Mason Rudolph for for landing Jeannie Bouchard. So that's that's pretty good. Good for him. Um that, that's that's called uh, punching above your weight class. Uh, but this year's Pittsburgh Steelers, where are you at with the Steelers? Um, are they more in, along the lines of uh, your expectations? Are they uh, below expectations? How um, how optimistic are you about the second half of the year and, and then possibly getting into the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, it it's hard to explain because, you know, I think that they were far too optimistic about what they had initially. Well, it's like um, it's it's like at the end of the the Eli Manning Giants era. It, it's it's very similar. Yeah, I mean the offensive line was a, a the biggest problem throughout the first four weeks. They seem to be starting to come into their own right now. It's still not perfect, but it's much better than what it was. Um, so you know, right now they've got Cleveland this week, and the Browns are beat up. I think that that's a winnable game. Um, so if they can if they can beat Cleveland, they're sitting at four and three. And this is an AFC that's kind of top heavy right now. You know, you look at I mean, the, the Raiders, Chargers, Cincinnati, Baltimore, um, uh, the other division leaders. Let me Buffalo. Go this. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo is going to uh, Buffalo is going to be the number one seed. And then, you know, Indianapolis and Tennessee, like they're all around the same record right now. So, I mean, 
you know, outside of the teams that are definitely going to get in, whether it be Buffalo, probably the Chargers, um, Baltimore will get in. Um, and then I think I, I do think the Colts are still going to win the AFC South. I really do. Um, Interesting. Tennessee, I'm getting the Titans. Tennessee, like, and we'll get into Tennessee, I'm sure, but they're going to be in the mix. But you know, behind all of that, like, there's seven playoff spots, and those are about six teams that are going to be playoff teams. Behind that, who's going to contend with Pittsburgh? Is it going to be New England? I'm not worried about New England. No, yeah, they're not going anywhere. So, I mean, it's very possible that. Um, now Kansas city is still going to be in the mix. There's going to be about eight, maybe nine teams contending for that. And right now I think that the Steelers are right in that mix. I think they're going to be playing meaningful football until the last week of the season. Um, but you know, Kansas city is a team that, you know, they're not playing great right now. I'm not going to count them out obviously because they've got Jesus and Cleese playing quarterback, but he's not playing great right now either. Um, so they're going to be in the mix. I'm not going to write them in as a playoff team. I think that, they, that there's a good chance that they get in. But, you know, if Kansas City starts playing well and the Chargers and Raiders keep playing well, that's going to be a monkey wrench into the Steelers' plans because they're playing in a tough division themselves with four teams that could potentially finish above 500. And that's that's a hard place to be in. Kansas City has has a tough schedule coming up. Tough schedule. They haven't played well. Their their offensive line is not great. Their defense is all time bad. Like, is this something that like Mahomes can overcome? Because again, he's played really sloppy now, right? And we all give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been to the AFC title game the last three years and the Super Bowl the last two years. And he's already won an MVP. Uh, he's the he's the best p- player at that position in the sport. But is this the year where it's just like it just doesn't happen? I mean, we, we've seen it. The team that loses the Super Bowl year in and year out, the next year is, is a mess. And, I mean, are, are the Kansas City Chiefs good enough to overcome that? I'm not so sure anymore right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of Mahomes' struggles can be chalked up to the fact that, you know, he's trying to, you know, hit the home run play every, every play. And that's in large part because the defense is so bad. Um, again, I'm not going to count them out because even if their defense gets a little bit better, then I think they're going to be fine. But right now, I mean, it's, it's not good. And he's not playing well. So I'm not going to count them out. I still think that they, they should be a playoff team just because it's hard to imagine them not being one. But, you know, right now, yeah, I mean, if the defense doesn't get better, if they don't adjust, then they're not going to be a playoff team because all that pressure is going to fall on the offense. And, you know, as great as Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey are, I mean, behind those two, it's not like they have a ton of talent. So, I mean, they got a lot of speed, but that speed doesn't, you know, necessarily mean great talent. So it, it's falling on the shoulders of three guys to really try to make this thing go. And right now it's just not working. So, but what's the difference to you between this year with them and the last couple of years, because it was on those three guys the last couple of years, too. I mean, is has the league caught up? Like, what's going what's going on here? Because, I mean, it, Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were the epicenter of the offense last year, two years ago, and they were putting up monster numbers. So, like, what has the league done or defenses have done to make it that, you know, they scored three points against a mediocre to below mediocre Tennessee defense last week. Like we can blame the defense all you want, but like, that's really bad. So, I mean, what is, what have other teams done to the chiefs where their gimmicks aren't working anymore? I don't necessarily think it's what other teams are doing to the chiefs. I think it's what the chiefs are doing to themselves. Like you see the way Patrick Mahomes is playing right now. I mean, first of all, he's getting way too deep in his dropbacks, which just makes it easy for edge rushers to get to him. Um, And he's forcing things that just aren't there early in drives. So he's not taking, you know, the, the easy check down when he very well could to pick up the easy yardage and, you know, just play for the next play. He just keeps trying to, you know, like I said, just get the ginormous chunk plays like he has before. And, and before it's worked just because he's been so good. But now I think teams are starting to, uh, you know, you know, play into that almost where. Um, so it's the fact that, you know, they rebuilt this offensive line and they did a good job at it. Like their tackles aren't great, but they're good. They're good enough. Interior is really good. But Patrick Mahomes, like, he doesn't step up in the pocket. He just loves getting out of the pocket and trying to make the home run play. Right now, if he just takes what's there, the Chiefs would be fine. 
offensively. But right now, like they're still trying to be that, you know, uh, the, the, the pull the pull the rabbit out of the hat. You can't do that every play. So I think Mahomes just needs to take what's there and take things a play at a time rather than trying to score every play. And defensively, like, look, they have Frank Clark was terrific the past few years. Frank Clark's been bad this year, like just flat out bad. And Chris Jones has been hurt. And outside of that, like their linebackers aren't very good. Their safeties aren't very good. Like, and they, Charvarius Ward, probably their best corners, missed time as well. So they're depleted on that side of the ball, whether it be injuries or just lack of talent this year. So it's just been a big, ginormous concoction of bad things to happen at Kansas City combined with bad decision-making on offense. And they, and they can't run the ball. And they, that too. And not just that they can't run the ball, but they refuse to. Uh, Trent Dilfer said something interesting on the, on the Rosillo show. Um, Ryan Rosillo is, is one of my, my favorites to listen to about pretty much anything, but he was basically like, you have, there has to be some type of physicality, um, on offense. I mean, all the, the glitz and the glam that they've gotten away with, like there has to be some type of physicality at one point to keep the defense honest. And they're just not doing that. And no, you know, there are pass plays where you, you could run them as run plays, right? Whether it's like, you know, quick slants, quick outs, you know, bubble screens, all that kind of stuff. But I just think they, they're – Andy Reid is, like, reluctant to do that this year for some reason. Yeah, and, and whether it's because the offensive line can't open up a hole or Clyde Edwards, Clyde Edwards-Elair can't hit a hole. Like, they spent a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards-Elair. So, I'd hope – Not looking great. That one's not looking great. So, you know, I mean, even last year, I mean, he played well last year and he fit into the role that they needed him to. Right now, they're just flat out not using him. And so, I mean, that's a coaching thing at that point, I think. So, I don't know, man. It is it is one of the more bizarre uh, stories of this season. Um, again, I'm not going to count them out, but they need to fix this thing quick or they are going to be left behind in the playoff race. So, it, it's, it's a ton of things that they're doing to themselves combined with the fact that their defense hasn't been good along with injuries and teams are just being more aggressive against them on offense. Like they're going for fourth downs on in situations yeah. where you wouldn't go for fourth downs against any other team. You're just trying to put up as many points as possible because you know that they can do the same. So it's that all of those things combined have just led to where they are right now. But even then, you know, if they don't turn the ball over three times against the chargers and if Clyde Edwards, the holds onto the ball against Baltimore, we might not even be having this conversation right, right now because they would be, you know, five and two or whatever. So uh, it's a lot of little things that usually go their way that just haven't this year. And that's why uh, they're three and four. And Mahomes has had a couple of picks go off guys' hands. He's yeah. had a lot of, uh, a lot of unluckiness in that respect. Um, so I, I'm a New York guy. Uh, I, I'm a Giants fan. It, it hasn't been great so far. Well, for the better part of the last decade, <laughs> even though they won on Sunday. So uh, from an outsider's perspective, who's in a better position going forward, the Giants or the Jets? Um, to me, it's the Giants. I mean, you look at their roster, like their roster, they built a solid roster. I mean, defensively last year, they were really good. And then this offseason, they gave Daniel Jones all the help he could ever want. It's just a, the problem is they all got hurt. Like Kenny Gaudet was their big signing of the offseason, and he's missed time. Sterling Shepard missed time. Saquon Barkley started off slow. He's hurt now. Kadarius Tony looked like a star. He's hurt now too. So it's just a giant, like the injury bug has bitten the Giants more than maybe any team this year. And look, teams, different teams each year get it, you know, harder than some. This year just happens to be the Giants. Yeah. Um, now, now on top of that, like if they do, if they can't turn this thing around and they do decide to move on from Joe Judge this quick, I think the best thing that they can do is go up north, hire Brian Dable, and just turn Daniel Jones into diet Josh Allen. Because we know how talented Daniel Jones is. We've seen it. He's incredibly athletic. If you can take some of the concepts that Brian Dable has used with Josh Allen and put those you know, in, a, in an offense led by Daniel Jones with all of that talent there, so long as they stay healthy and fix the offensive line a little bit more because Saquon Barkley still can't run, the Giants would be fine. And I think that that could be something that they should explore doing because right now, I mean, it's, it's just a stale offense at time too. Um, and look, credit to Jason, Jason Garrett for this past week, because he did call a very good offense, but for the most part, it's been, it just hasn't been good. So I think that the best thing that they can do, if this thing doesn't get turned around, hire Brian Dable and uh, bring some of that, uh, that, that prowess from Buffalo down to, uh, 
down to uh, Reese Rutherford. Well, I think Jones has done enough this year to warrant that he's going to be the guy going forward, especially given that this year's quarterback class in the draft apparently is not very good. No. So it's like he's he's gotten himself a, a longer leash just for that reason alone. And all the guys are hurt. I mean, you know, it, it's Daniel Gettleman, you know, paying big money to Kenny Galladay, who's always hurt. What do you know? He's hurt again. Like, I'm just so sick of da- of Dave Gettleman. He's he's the worst. Um, but yeah, I would agree because, you know, the Jets are always the Jets. Like, they're just they're just absolutely, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, switching to the a- NFC for a little bit. The Cardinals are undefeated, right? We're talking about a lot of teams in the NFC. Like, there's a lot of the similar cast of characters. There's Tampa Bay. Everybody was on the Rams. The Packers have one loss and have gotten uh, six straight wins after getting smoked by New Orleans in that weird week one game. Um, but the Cardinals are the last undefeated team. So are you buying the Cardinals as, as being the top, you know, the top of the team in the NFC? Yeah. I mean, right now they're absolutely that now people are going to point to how great their offense is and rightfully so it's not just Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins anymore. It's, you know, some weeks is going to be AJ green. Some weeks it's going to be Rondale Moore. Another is going to be Christian Kirk. They just added Zach Ertz. Um, but their defense is allowing the fewest points per game in the NFL, which is astonishing to be able to have the most points and allow the, the fewest points. That's incredibly hard to do. Um, so credit to their defense because that was the biggest concern. Like two years ago, they had the worst defense in football. Last year, it got a little bit better. This year, it's absolutely just astonishing how well they've improved over that span. So um, they've got guys on that side of the ball now who are playing really well. Um, and offensively, they're just running up points. There's only one game this year that they haven't scored more than 30 points. That was against San Francisco. Uh, every other game that they scored north of 30 and they just helped the Texans to five points. How in God's name in a 2021 football game, do you get five points? I don't know, but um, Houston found a way to do it. It's incredible, but uh, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, right now they're both sides of the ball are playing really well. And I don't think uh, Tampa Bay is still very good. I wouldn't argue with anybody saying that Tampa Bay is better, even though Arizona um, beat them. I'm not going to, I'm sorry, the Rams beat them. I'm not going to argue with anybody saying that, um, you know, the Rams might be a little bit better. I get it. Um, but, you know, uh, I would say that the Cardinals right now are the best. So if you're so if you're power ranking the top five teams in the NFC, so you're going um, Cardinals one, would you go Tampa two? Yeah, Tampa would be my two. I'd probably put the Rams at three, Green Bay at four, and then Dallas at five. So I, I have I still have Tampa one by default. Um, just because coming off of last year, Super Bowl champs, I mean, Tom Brady looks as good as ever, um, whether it's his physical appearance or his play on the field, like the guy's just guys, just such a machine. And now the fact that he's out of new England, he's so incredibly much more likable. So, uh, (laughs) I I have Tampa one, um, yeah, fuck Boston. Um, two, (laughs) I've got the, um, I've got the Rams over the Cardinals still. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I have this this bias against Cliff Kingsbury as, as a coach that I, I'm just waiting for the shoe to drop. Um, or it's that I think uh, a lot of people though too who are just like still kind of hesitant to buy in on Cliff Kingsbury, yeah. which is understandable. I mean, um, like they started off really hot last year and they crashed and burned. So I get it. Um, but and no, Kyle, I think- and and Kyler's a small guy, right? Like sure. he's, he's an unbelievable athlete, but you right. know, he's not necessarily the most durable guy. They started off pretty hot last year. And then all of a sudden he gets dinged up shoulder here, shoulder there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and, and it fell off a cliff, but I I've got the Cardinals three, I've got the Packers four and I've got Dallas five also. Yeah. I, you know, Dallas. I mean, they're playing in the worst division in football, but you know, they, they look good this NFC year. beast. What do you mean? The NFC beast, yeah. man. We're oh, it's so it's just awful. It's so bad to watch. It is. Uh, but you know, like I said, credit to them for you know playing well regardless. They um you know Zach looks really good. Ezekiel Elliott looks like he's kind of set that the clock to 2016. So um and defensively, I mean Trevon Diggs, I mean, while we're having this conversation, just intercepted another pass. So um, you know, they're playing well on both sides of the ball, which again, they're similar to Arizona where I think, you know, a lot of people were worried about their defense, but their defense has really stepped up. 
Micah Parsons also looks pretty good on defense for Dallas. Micah's played very well this year. Um, they've asked him to do multiple things, whether it be kind of that Sam linebacker or put him on the edge uh, with his hand in the dirt. So, um, you know, he's been asked to do a lot as a rookie, and he's really stepped up and uh, done, what, done what they've needed him to do, honestly. So, yeah, credit to, uh, credit to them because they you – know, credit to Micah, at least. You know, he's, uh, he's really stepped up to uh, do the call. So, uh, looking forward to um... – you know, postseason awards, specifically the MVP. Um, yeah. Usually it's been dominated by a quarterback, right? That That's right. just the way it works. Does Derrick Henry have a case here? Does he legitimately have a case? Because the first couple of weeks have been out of this world, like out of this world good. I mean, what's it going to take for a non- quarterback to win the MVP at this point, given the way the, the league is currently? Um, it would probably take Derrick Henry rushing for close to 2,000 yards again, probably even getting over 2,000 yards and then just doing something absolutely absurd. Because right now, I mean, we've got guys, Matthew Stafford's playing really well, Kyler Murray's playing really well, Tom Brady's playing extremely well, Dak is even in the conversation. So when you've got these guys who are just uh, quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, 35 to 1, we already put it out there. Sprinkle yeah, exactly. a little. Exactly. So when you've got guys, it's the most important position in the sport. And whenever, you know, especially if a team goes like something like 14 and three, and there's a quarterback who throws for 5,000 yards and 48 touchdowns, he's going to win it. It doesn't matter how good somebody else does. So Derek Henry had to do some ungodly things and he did it last year, but unfortunately Aaron Rodgers had 48 touchdowns and only five interceptions. So it, I think it's going to take a little bit of him being absolutely ungodly, but also quarterbacks kind of taking a small step back. And look, he is phenomenal. And he is, he's not just that offense. He's that team. Like take Derrick Henry off the Titans and they're drafting top three. So um, you can make the argument that he is the most valuable player to any team right now. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's usually going to go to a quarterback. And like I said, unless, you know, these guys take a little bit of a step back and Derrick Henry just elevates even more, it's probably still going to go to a quarterback. Now he can get the offensive player of the year, which I think he's going to, um, but it's more than likely going to go to a quarterback. And it's funny because in every, you know, list, like the NFL puts out the top 100, Aaron Donald has, has been number one, like a couple of times now in the last five years. Right. And he it's it's just funny that he he won't even sniff an MVP vote and he's voted on by, you know, coaches and players as being the best player in the sport. It's just a weird dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't pay too much attention to the, the players list just because I think that players are bad at grading their peers. And it shows in that list every year. So I don't put too much into that per se, but no, I mean, Aaron, we know that Aaron Donald's fantastic and we know that Derrick Henry's fantastic. It's just, like I said, it's, it's incredibly hard for any of these non quarterbacks to win the award. And I, that's why we have, um, that's why we have the different awards like defensive player of the year and offensive player of the year, just to give to the guys who are like, okay, you know, these, you know, they're, they're the best of their, of, you know, anything non quarterback. So, we might as well just name MVP the best quarterback award and then go from there. We're not going to do that. But, yeah, I mean, we know how great Aaron Donald and Derrick Henry both are. It, it's Like I said, it, it would take something astronaut. Like, Aaron Donald would have to get 30 sacks to win MVP probably. And Derrick Henry would have to rush for 2,200 yards to get MVP. And whether that's fair or not, that's, that's just how it is. Yeah, it's. I, I do think it. the NFL needs to, like, switch that up a little bit because, like, if – it would be nice to see a non-quarterback win the award, like sure. once in a while. The last one that we saw, I think, did Adrian Peterson win it in like 2012? The year maybe. Peyton Manning was up for it, also. I think Peyton Manning threw like yeah. 50 touchdowns, and Peterson still won it. I would have to look back. That might be that might be right. I would have to look to see when the last time a non-quarterback won the award. Um, I can actually do that right now because I'm actually curious about that. So. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's incredibly hard. And we know, I mean, and that's, the, that's the year that Adrian Peterson finished like eight yards shy of breaking Eric Dickerson's record. So again, you have to do something absolutely remarkable as a non-quarterback. Um, and I believe to, he was coming off a major injury, major knee injury, which was yeah. like ultra, ultra ridiculous. 
Yeah, that was the year after he tore it. Yeah, Adrian Peterson, 2012, is the last non-quarterback to win the award. Yeah, hey, he he was he was so so good, so good. Fun fact though, 2005, 2006, back to back years that running backs won it. Sean Alexander won in 05, Ladanian Tomlinson in 06. Yeah, it's going to be a long time till a running back wins it. <laughs> yeah, I just Most definitely you know because. Uh, as, as Warren Sharp has been banging this drum, like it, sometimes just running the ball is inefficient. But I do think the analytics have swung so far the other way that, I mean, you see why Derrick Henry is as valuable, valuable as he is. And right. that's kind of why the Giants drafted Saquon that high, because like you can find gaps in the, inef- like in those inefficiencies, right? Where it, right. you can can fill some gaps there, but that's uh, another uh, topic for another discussion. Cause I don't want to bore you too much with all this, this uh, nerdy stuff. Um, oh, no problems at all. Before, before we let you go, obviously, as I mentioned, I, I do, uh, a, I guess my own version of the Colin coward, uh, blazing five for he picks against the spread, my own version of the Vegas sure. contest. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're in it or not. I know it's, it's Monday. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It's Tuesday. Uh, lines are, are kind of early. So, uh, give me uh, three bets that you like this Sunday uh, against the spread. What are your What are the three that catch your eye early on? Um, I do like the Thursday night game. I mean, the Packers are six and a half point dogs to the Cardinals. I think they cover. I think the Packers are going to win outright in that game. Actually, um, so that's one that I really like. I I'm kind of kicking myself because as soon as I saw it came out, it was like Green Bay plus four and a half, and I hit and I took it that. If if I don't know that it would gone up that much, I would have waited. Um, but yeah, Green Bay plus six and a half this Thursday is one that I really like. Um, I like a lot of dogs this week. This week I'm not going to lie. I think the, I love the Colts plus one and a half against Tennessee. I think they win that outright um, and and uh, get to four and four. Um, and look, you know, keep looking through. Um, you know, maybe Tampa Bay minus five against the the Saints. Cause the Saints are bad, man. I don't care. That I had that one circled too. The, the Saints That's going to be one of my plays. They are absolutely atrocious, and that you know everybody's going to hop on them because they're four and two or whatever. I don't care if you think that Jameis, Marquez, Callaway, and uh, Taysom Hill are going to lead you to the promised land. You know, enjoy being disappointed. So that's another one that I like. Um, Detroit plus three and a half against Philadelphia is one I'm paying attention to. Um, that's another one that I had circled. So I think that this is the week that Detroit gets their first win because the Eagles are also terrible. And look, Detroit might be zero and seven. They should very well be two and five. Um, and they so, played hard. They played hard. They, They've been in games. Exactly. Like the, fifty-three guys on that roster work their ass off every week, and I think that this is the, the week that it finally pays off. So Detroit plus three and a half is one of my favorite ones. And like I said, I love Green Bay plus six and a half. So those are two that I'm that I'm paying attention to. So I'm with you on Detroit. That's going to be one of them. I uh, I'm I love the Chargers. Minus five and a half against the Patriots. That's I, another one that I think could really just get out of hand. Yeah, I, I just don't. It, it's not the Patriots. Uh, you know, it's not their year. Like they're not that good. Like they've, they've beaten the Jets twice. Congratulations. I mean, they've played good teams close, but I just, I just don't buy it. That's one. I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm going to do that one. Buccaneers. Another one. Another one. The Bengals are only minus ten and a half against the Mike White led Jets. Assuming that he starts, they just acquired Flacco. I assume they're going to wait to play him yeah. or if they play him at all. But that that's that's a teaser game. That's like the three to four yeah, teaser that yeah, you put yeah. in. Sure, sure. The other one I uh, I was thinking of is the is the Bears um, plus three and a half against the 49ers. Yo, oh, man, you like at the home, Bears to cover against dog. the 49ers. So this so this is the thing. A lot of people talk about you know in the nfl media circles how kyle shanahan offensive genius right kyle shanahan unbelievable coach kyle shanahan unbelievable coach meanwhile the guy doesn't win any games right oh i agree with you there i do i I agree with you there it's just that the bears are so ungodly terrible but they're they're borderline mediocre but that's a lot of the league right so you're telling me that they're that they should be a three and a half point underdog at home to a team that doesn't win games either like the Niners are two and four yeah and and I get that um I, I will say this 
the Bears, and look, I know that everybody wanted Justin Fields to play. I think there's a reason that Matt, look, Matt Nagy's not going to be there next year. I think that's pretty set in stone. But I do think that in hindsight, he's probably right in saying, yeah, we're going to go with Andy Dalton because Justin Fields, like, look, I get he's a rookie, even though he doesn't look good at all. So offensively, they're not good. Defensively, like, I get it's Tampa Bay and whatnot. Um, and they were put in some bad situations. I mean, they turned the ball over five times. Uh, but they didn't look good there. I guess Tampa Bay on the defensive side of the ball either. So it's just, I don't know, man. That's one that I'm not touching. Maybe in a teaser. If I could tease that up to like plus nine and a half, I'd feel good about that. But it, just straight up, no. I, I, kudos to you, man. I hope, it, I hope it does work out because why not? But it's one I'm not touching. All, all, all of these have been uh, marked in pencil right now. We're not going to play them until later, but it's just one that I was, uh, I was thinking about. Uh, also, was was eyeing your uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers plus three and a half. That's a, uh, it's an interesting line given the way the Browns are are banged up. But we shall we shall see. But yeah, I- you know, man, I will say this. I don't like I don't bet on the Steelers just because I would only be betting with my heart, and that's a bad way to bet. Yes, uh, to bet on anything. So I will say this though, a banged up a banged up Browns team that, you know, even if they do start Baker Mayfield, they're starting Baker Mayfield at like 70%. If they don't, they're starting Case Keenum. Like they're going to try to run the ball down the Steelers' throat and they might have success doing it. You know, the Steelers haven't been great against them and they haven't been terrible. I think they're 12th in the NFL against the run. Um, But, you know, Nick Chubb's going to be back. But at some point they're going to have to make a throw. And do I trust a 70% Baker Mayfield to do that? No, because, I mean, first of all, he struggled against Pittsburgh throughout his career. Take away that wild card game. That wasn't even Baker Mayfield playing great. That was the Steelers playing horrible. Um, but yeah, he's struggling against Pittsburgh in his career. Um, so if Pittsburgh can win this and get to four and three, they're sitting pretty. So, I mean, that's one, if I wasn't a Steelers fan, I would definitely take advantage of, but yeah, that's one that I would pay attention to. Well, I'm glad we're on the, uh, the same side as a couple of these and especially with the Mike, uh, the Kyle Shanahan noise, because I, I can't take it. When, you know, guys are spoken about like they're like these these absolute geniuses, like the, the way the media talks about him is like he's Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh won tons of Super Bowls. Kyle Shanahan is a 450 winning percentage, right? They went to they went to the Super Bowl once and, you know, it's been bad since I just don't get it. But anyway, Jared, I really appreciate you hopping on. This has been awesome. Uh, tell everybody where we can find your, your stuff. Just uh, reiterate it, plug everything, the writing, the social media, you know, handles, plug everything. Oh uh, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at J Bailey NFL. Uh, I do multiple columns a week for fan sided um, Steelers coverage at Pittsburgh sports. Now um, you could watch the laces out podcast either on YouTube or Twitter. We do two episodes a week. Um, uh, what else when do, when I do? do I get my invite? When do we do the home and home over here? I, I, I hope to get an invite sometime soon. Yeah, not a problem, mate. We can definitely get that all set up here in the coming weeks. So by all means, like that can happen. But uh, yeah, other than that, man, I mean, um, it, it, you know, in terms of Twitter, I mean, if you like pro wrestling, you can also follow me. Like, I, I'm a wrestling, I'm a wrestling nerd. So that's something that we can talk about. Um, Attitude, you know, then, I assume, right? That that's your jam. I mean, I was I was born like right. I was born in the Attitude Era, technically, but I mean, I didn't get to really see any of it. I grew up in kind of that ruthless aggression era. Um, but yeah, I mean, right now I'm really into AEW. I mean, everything that they do is gold to me right now. So, um, I dabble in writing about it a little bit. I'll do it a little bit in my newsletter that I just started. Oh yeah. Go read my newsletter. I tweeted about it. It's in my Twitter bio. So you can click on that, subscribe to it. I'll do one a week. Um, sometimes it'll more than often, more often than not be football. I might occasionally do a wrestling piece just to give my thoughts on it. But yeah, so going long with Jared Bailey's my newsletter. You can subscribe to that as well. So. Uh, that is all on my Twitter page at J Bailey NFL. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much again for doing it. And we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, and yes, uh, I, I am waiting for that invite on laces out. Sounds good, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. I'll speak to you. Have a good night. All right, buddy. Thanks again to tonight's guest, first time guest and hopefully recurring guest, uh, Jared Bailey. Everybody go check him out on his various platforms, the email newsletter, on social. He's a good Twitter follow. One quick thing I forgot to mention in my uh, my monologue, World Series, Braves-Astros, 
Braves take game one. I'm not going to watch more than five innings of this total with all the NBA and the Rangers and football going on. By the way, shout out to the Rangers. They're playing some good hockey right now. But let's go, Braves, because screw the Astros. And that is episode 129. For the love of the game, take us out, Cam. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.